Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. John Dickinson and Larry Kruger sitting in for Damon and Ratto here for the next four hours on 95.7. The game putting a cap on 2022, my man. Good to, good to be with you again. Yeah, I was going to say this is the final show of the year, but I just thought, I just remembered I'll be doing uh, doing 95.7 The Game Niner pregame on New Year's. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's the New next Year's year. I think, I've, I think technically this I've got the, the last show. show. Because I've got Warriors this week tomorrow before I go to Vegas, but it's the last. It's the last Monday through Friday. The last, last one that really, really, really counts. The last show of 2022, and what a sports year this has been. What a, just just for the 49ers alone. Then you mix in the Warrior title, um, you know the the, uh, the Giants kind of flirtation with Judge, flirtation with Carlos Correa. By the way, are they still in on Carlos Correa? We may get into that at some point. No, absolutely. Mike Sando's going to join us. Uh, covers the NFL and has for a long time. We'll get his thoughts on everything going on with the Niners and and, and Derek Carr with the Raiders moving on from Carr and, and sending him home here ahead of their matchup against the Niners on, on Sunday in Vegas. Festus Azili, Warriors analyst. You see him on uh, NBC Sports Bay Area on the, the pre- and post-game shows. He's going to stop by at 4.30. So the Warriors trying to keep things rolling. 3-0 and hasn't always been pretty, but they're trying to make it 4-0 and on this homestand and, and get back above 500 but uh, yeah just you think of in looking back at 2022 and, and we were just kind of throwing it around before we hit the air go back all the way to january say and the wild ride of the san francisco 49ers i mean the first game that the niners played in january of 2022 was trey lance at levi's second career start must win game against the texans otherwise the niners are basically out of it they win that game he has a pretty good second half in that game and then they're fighting for their life in la the next week down big come back win in overtime find their way into the playoffs and make a run all the way to the nfc championship game then it essentially has turned from jimmy garoppolo's team to trey lance's team all the way through the offseason and up until week one with the disappointing loss to the Bears. Goes from Trey's team to Jimmy's team. Now it's Brock Purdy's team. And we feel on the second to last day of the year as if the 49ers have as good a chance 
to win a Super Bowl moving into 2023, probably a better chance than we would have the second to first day of 2022 when it all started with Trey at, at Levi's. You know, it's, it, 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 is, it is wild when you think about where the 49ers are with Brock Purdy. <laughs> I mean, yes. You know, he's their third quarterback. Their third, I mean, it's totally unheard of that you would even still be alive, and yet there's a lot of optimism. I caught up with uh, Javon Kinlaw yesterday in the locker room, and Kinlaw is, you know, and we, we had a nice little conversation before we went on the air, and I basically just said to him, I said, you know, Javon, if you have, like, you know, the four big-time games, you're, the Niners have a very good chance of winning a championship. And he said, even if I don't have four big games, I think we're going to win the Super Bowl. Um, so, I mean, I, that, that, that kind of opened my eyes. The Niners are confident. There's a vibe around them that you would never see at this point in the calendar on your third-string quarterback. If you're in your third-string quarterback and it's week 16, week 17, you're officially cooked. No doubt. Not them. No, and, and you look at the other years where this has happened to the Niners, and, and they're in, in a position where, yeah, the season at that point had already been cooked. I go back to what, T.J. Yates, right, with the with the Texans maybe a decade or so ago. I think he was the third-string quarterback. There was a blast from the past. After a bunch of guys got hurt, what it would have been Schaub, I guess, and, and somebody else. I can't even remember who their backup was at that point. doesn't matter. But, yeah, they were on the third-string quarterback, and I think even won a game, but, but no shot, obviously, to make a, a deep run in the playoffs. It's, it's pretty remarkable when you look at, at where the 49ers are at and now taking on the Raiders in Vegas on Sunday. No Debo Samuel officially ruled out by Kyle Shanahan uh, within the last half hour at his press conference. Chance, though, that he plays in Week 18. I don't know why you would. And <laughs> what, you know, it could be a meaningful game still as far as seeding goes, but. I think you want to make sure you got Debo Samuel 100% ready to roll. He doesn't need reps for any kind of playoff run that the Niners may need to go on here. To me, he's one of four guys that, you know, I, I, I would, you know, that I if, if I'm Kyle Shanahan, I need these four guys um, ready to roll come playoff time. Debo, mm-hmm. McCaffrey, Charvarius, who also goes by Mooney Ward, who I caught up with yeah. yesterday. He's, and, 90, and 97. He's terrific. And, and Nick Bosa. Yeah. So do you sit Bosa one of these games? Do you sit Charvarius one of these games? Do you do you dial, you know, you take your foot off the gas pedal on the usage of Christian McCaffrey? Um, you know, the Niners are, are been incredible. They're 8-1 since McCaffrey arrived. They're 8-0 since he was put into the starting lineup. So, I mean, um, he has been the difference. All the talk about the quarterbacks. We love in the NFL to talk about the head coach and the quarterback. But, man, the Christian McCaffrey edition has just been, I mean, in my opinion, J.D., John Lynch already had a really good draft, but John Lynch deserves the executive of the year hardware, not just for the McCaffrey trade, for pulling it off at the time that he did, because if he hadn't wound up here, he's going to L.A., your whole season tumbles out of control. So, to me, Lynch uh, grabbed this season by the as it was circling the drain and just said, no, no, no. No, let's make this deal, and it's made all the difference. Yeah, they were at a similar crossroads as to where they were last year when they ultimately ended up 3-5, and five, and it looked pretty bleak until they were able to get on the run, what, winning seven in the last nine and, and culminating in that Week 18 wild victory at SoFi, and then they go to Dallas and Green Bay and winning Green Bay without scoring an offensive touchdown to get to an NFC Championship game and not only get to the NFC Championship game but have a 10-point lead uh-huh. in the fourth quarter, something about those 
those 10-point leads for for Kyle Shanahan that have been problematic. But uh, the Niners, they don't win it. And then all of the quarterback stuff throughout the offseason, and now it looks like they've got a, a great shot to make a run and, and, and win a Super Bowl. The practice window for Elijah Mitchell uh, would have been open today, Kyle Shanahan said, but I guess he fell ill, so they're going to kick that to, to next week. And so that's another player that the 49ers are going to be working back into the fold who can really help them in what is the bump and grind of of an NFL playoff at that running back position. Taking you know all the question about uh, Ty Davis Price, you know Jordan Mason, but you, you throw Elijah Mitchell back out there with McCaffrey, and you, you've got some action right there as a, a one-two punch. He's your closer. He's your absolute closer. And and you know this was kind of one of the questions for the last couple of weeks. Who would be that final recall off the IR? Would it be Asan Ridgeway? Would it be Trey Lance? Uh, Kyle Shanahan basically put this whole thing to rest a couple days ago at his presser when he said, hey, you know, it's going to be Elijah Mitchell. Um, and, you know, the, do the Niners want a little insurance against Javon Kinlaw? Yeah, and that's why they've started to practice Kalia Davis, who's on the NFI list. Right. He doesn't count as one of those guys, so if I, I do believe they want to, you know, just get him some run this year. I was talking to Matt Barrows about it yesterday. He thinks they're going to, you know, try to get Kalia in a rhythm and really target next year, but he's also insurance because if Javon Kinlaw's knee pain for whatever reason pops up in the next two games, they could plug in a, a, a you know a 295 pound pass rusher on the inside like Kalia Davis, and and he could take that spot. So they're they're in a good spot, JD. I mean, they are yeah. in a really good spot. Um, and I'm just kind of surprised that the number of people who are still kind of you know, um, kind of still like in a wait and see mode with Brock Purdy. I mean, I, I that I don't get. I mean, I was looking at some of the numbers that the 49ers put out um, going into this Raiders game. Sure. JD, despite the fact that he's only started three games this year, Brock Purdy has six touchdown passes of 24, 25 or more yards. That's that's tied for the seventh most in the NFL for the season with, with Carr, Hertz, Burrow, uh, Tagovailoa, Geno Smith, Josh Allen, and Mahomes. So he's had as many down-the-field touchdown strikes as these guys have, and he's played in just three starts and four total games. If you're not sold on Brock Purdy now, what do you got to see? Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, we talked about it yesterday a little bit when when Allen Styles was was sitting in your chair, and and for me, it's it, it's a no-brainer unless there's just a complete blow-up on Purdy's part between now and whenever this thing ends for the 49ers. I mean, at that point, I think we could be having a conversation about a competition in training camp for 2023. But if this thing continues along the lines as it has, even if the Niners don't win the Super Bowl, let's say they get to the NFC Championship game. Hey, they go to Philly, tough environment. Jalen Hurts has a big game. The Eagles are maybe more whole than they are right now. A month from when that game would be, which is a month from from yesterday when that game would take place, and and, and you just get beat. Close game, you get beat. Maybe pretty solid, but not great, but not horrible. Like He's the guy in 2023 for me it doesn't necessarily mean i think we we differ on this part of it for me i would i would keep trey lance around and still continue to develop him i know i think from our conversation a couple days ago you you would be more inclined to look to to try and trade him and see what you can get for him fair debate to be had there i'm also thinking that he may demand that trade yeah right exactly you know if, if, if brock purdy wins the nfc championship game you know, if I'm Trey Lance's agent, I'm looking at the tea leaves and saying, hmm, 
uh, maybe maybe it's time for me to go somewhere else. You know, what I mean, sure. I, I mean, I'm, I was just looking at the completion percentage of Trey and the completion percentage of Brock in the games that they've started. Lance's completion percentage did complete seventy percent last year against Houston. That was impressive, but the other one was fifty two percent in the start against Arizona, forty six percent in the monsoon against the Bears, though it didn't rain the whole game. Purdy, by comparison. 68% against Miami, 76% against Tampa, 65% against Seattle on the road, 68% against a pretty pretty good Washington Commanders defense. So, to me, you know, there's that, there's really no comparison on those numbers. I mean, it's just that's just one aspect, that's yeah. just one stat, and, but and I it's even, revealing. And I wouldn't even say to go back to the the prior point that he has to win the NFC Championship game. It's just kind of continue playing as he has. Sometimes that's good enough to win. Sometimes it's not. I mean, wins and losses in the NFL are not solely dictated, as we all know, by how the quarterback plays. To me, it's more just if he plays at at the level that he has, it's it's his job going into next year. And and yeah, well, the Niners will have to sort out what comes about with Trey Lance and if if his camp would want to trade at that point. But I'd be more than comfortable running him back as a backup. You know you're going to probably need two quarterbacks at some point. You're going to need to bring a veteran into the mix as well and and just to continue to develop them and, and maybe throw some Trey Lance packages out on the field that can help keep the defense honest in a different way. Like I don't view this as a as some kind of, you know, it has to be this this grandiose catastrophic outcome where Brock Purdy's the guy and now Trey Lance is a bust and he's got to go no, I mean, and, and all of that. It's just it just He's just the better quarterback right now, and we've seen a similar sample size between the two at this point. I mean, Purdy and what you could consider, I think, some higher leverage games than even the, the games that that Lance started, and he's just he's just performed the way it's supposed to look. He's Purdy has played four NFL games, one off the bench against Miami, and then three others. All four of those games, he's thrown at least two touchdown passes. Yeah, he's played more than Trey has, and he's played you know in December football. That's at a high level. That's pretty good. And then you say to yourself, well, who is the 49ers' best wide receiver? I don't think there's any doubt. It's Debo Samuel. He hasn't had Debo for, what, two and a half games? Right. So, I mean, you know, he's doing this without Debo Samuel, without Elijah Mitchell, without a full complement of guys. So, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe the, uh, maybe the you know, the, the Brock Purdy uh, bubble will burst and he'll have some nightmarish game. But right now, I'll say this, just from being in that room and talking to a number of guys, both sides of the ball, there's an awful lot of respect and admiration for what that kid's been able to do. No question. 888-957-9570. He's Larry Kruger. I'm John Dickinson. We're with you until 6 o'clock. In for Damon and Ratto here at 95.7 The Game. Just kind of reflecting on the year that was a little bit off the top of the show in 2022. Did we bury the lead in not first discussing the, the one champion in, in the Bay here in 2022? Uh, a repeat champion from prior years in, in the Golden State Warriors uh, getting back off the mat after a couple of non-playoff years, a uh, 15 and 50 with a new group still led by Steph and, and Clay and Draymond, but they in, in some ways did uh, what 
a lot of people would have thought would have been the unthinkable, which is climbing all the way back to the top of the mountain now with Andrew Wiggins a part of it and Jordan Poole a part of it and the, the tremendous bench that was cobbled together by by Bob Myers and company leading into last season and Steph Curry finally getting that that elusive finals MVP along the way. And be honest, did, did you think we'd be talking about the Warriors winning an NBA championship again so quickly given where they were a, a, a year and a half to two years ago? No. I mean, I'll, I'll sit here and um, I'll say it quietly. I thought Denver would have beat them in the first round. <laughs> I, wow. I thought Denver was going to take them down in the first round. I really did. Um, the Warriors didn't look good down the stretch. They didn't look like they were going to be able to handle Jokic, and then they did, and they and they rose to the occasion. And led by Steph Curry, who was just, you know, come the finals, I thought Steph Curry was, you know, I thought I had seen the best of Steph. And then, then he goes to the finals, you know, and he, yeah. and he averages 31 and almost 44% from beyond the arc. And that one game, what, what game was it where he just went off? Game four. And he started pounding his chest. Game four. And, and being in the building, in, I mean, that was almost like a, it, it felt to me like I was witnessing something that, that belonged in like a Jordan 90s you know, finals or a Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, 80s finals type performance. Like it felt like everybody in the building and all the Celtics fans were like, oh, we're screwed because this dude's just out. Like he's just from another planet and he wants it and he's going to take it. And it was just, just witnessing it was was unbelievable out of the events that I've had the the good fortune of being able to cover and and witness. I mean, you and I've seen a lot of sports and we've seen a lot of warrior basketball. That moment, you got the crowd chanting F-bombs at Draymond yeah, Green. It, yeah, it was... You're on the road. Awesome. Easily the most hostile environment that the league can, you know, cobble together yes. is that Boston crowd in the playoffs, yeah. in the finals, with the money on the table. And for Steph to just rise, and not just rise in that occasion, but also to basically say, you know what, I'm at such a level... That I'm going to take the entire, like, hey, boys, jump aboard my back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was like the whole crowd's ripping Draymond. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to distract him. I'm going to pound my chest. I'm going to show I'm the alpha here. And then to, you know, to, to that's basically like talking talk, talk the talk. But then to back it up. I mean, it was something. That was something. That, to me, was was so out of character, right? When he starts pounding his chest and he's walking towards the, the you know, away from his bench at a timeout, yeah. and you're sitting there going, this isn't the Steph Curry that we know. But, man, he was just basically saying, hey, crowd, don't pick on him. Pick on me. Yeah. And I'm the big dog here. And this yes. is my show. And this is my finals. And you're all in my moment. I mean, it was... It was it was absolutely one of the most compelling things I've seen in sports, and and one of the great moments in Warrior history. Yeah, it was it was spectacular, and and to do it banged up because again, you you go back to the leg injury in, in Game Three, and nobody really knowing how severe it was, and and there was there was a point there late in the night in Boston, Game Three, and the day off in between Game Three and Game Four, where it was like, is he going to play? Is this serious? Is is if he does try to play, which I think everybody thought he would. Is he going to be hobbled? Is this going to be a, a 2016 type scenario where clearly he isn't at 100%? He's going to try and grind through it, but that's enough of a window for that very talented and athletic Celtics team already up to one at that point right. at home could could you know be able to to lead that lead them down the path toward victory, and then they've got the lead in the fourth quarter of Game Four, and he goes off and and basically. 
takes the series over for the, the end of Game 4, Game 5, and then back in, in Boston to, to close it out in, in Game 6. It was it was incredible and, and just the cherry on top of, and who knows if he's not done, but the cherry on top of just a, a legendary Hall of Fame career. Yeah, my Celtic friends, when, they, when the Celtics were up 2-1, I mean, they were feeling it. They were tasting it. They were envisioning the parade. Well, I'll never forget, that, and this was something that Draymond, you know, he had the famous... Uh, what he put the picture out on on social media after the game of the the t shirt that was the giveaway. I don't know if you remember. This, I'd love to get that the, shirt. The t shirt was sweet, and then he wrote on it right the white t shirt, and all it was was an all white t shirt with all seventeen of the banners that the Celtics had won, and then a blank one basically for 2022 because they felt they were that close and there were 18,000 of those and yeah Draymond he wrote over it in Sharpie Warriors he put an X through 2022 but Warriors it was awesome I mean unbelievable but that tells you how they were feeling going into game four like it was theirs they were down 2-1 they go on and win three straight by a combined like 30 points or more something like that Um, I mean just just an absolutely incredible and then to you know I think also when you're a fan of a team and you've tasted the titles like like the Warrior fans have, and then you got two years where I think everybody had a, every Warrior fan had a reason to believe like you know I don't know where this goes from here. Do they get to, sure. you, they're going to get better than they've been the last two yeah. years? But are they going to climb to the top of the mountain right. again? Are they a six seed now, seven seed? Yeah, I mean, are they going to are they going to get dropped somewhere along the line? Uh, you know, maybe in the conference finals and then. Just after that Denver series, it just looked like, the, and, and and there were people that had doubts in the other series, yeah. but um, you know by the time they got to the finals, I really thought they were going to beat the Celtics, and then I doubted it again, down two one. But I mean, it's just it's an amazing thing, and it makes me it kind of roll dovetails into this year's Warriors in that there's been an awful lot of talk on this station and around the Bay about. What do the Warriors need, and how do they, you know, where do they go from here? And you know, right now, you know, can they get back off the canvas and become, you know, a six seed or a five seed? And I think that should be the goal. You mentioned it earlier. Um, I, to me, I've just got to a point where I don't doubt them. I do believe they'll rise to the occasion. There's a lot of time between now and the playoffs. I don't think they need a damn thing. I don't think they need to trade anybody. I don't think they need to buy, hit the buyout market. I just want to see James. I don't want to see James Wiseman in Santa Cruz anymore. I just want to see them find those two players that they need for their rotation and just chip away, win some games, try to get to that five seed, six seed maybe. Um, if you can get a top six seed and find a couple players for your rotation, man, I think they're good to go. Yeah, and there's some good news yesterday uh, from Steve Kerr as he joined this show, uh, myself and, and Alan Styles last night, and we asked him, you know, what's kind of the latest with Steph Curry, and there really hadn't been much to come out about Steph other than, hey, it's going to be reevaluated in a couple of weeks, which at this point would be a week from tomorrow, January the 7th, but but Steve Kerr uh, did give a little bit of an update. Let's uh, let's play the, the quick clip here, but this was a little bit of news off of, off of that interview. He's been doing a lot of stuff on the court, so he's getting a lot of good work in. He's really coming along well, and everything is is progressing. So that feels almost like you know the Warriors again. The the, the little bit of the the cloak and dagger, as far as you know, 
We'll, we'll tell you when we tell you, and and you know, basically keep expectations low. But behind the scenes, Curry's doing a little bit more than maybe was expected. I don't know it was about a week ago. He said he hadn't even picked up a ball yet, and so I guess a week and a half ago when they were in New York, when he was on with the the TNT broadcast, he said he hadn't picked up a ball yet. If he's already on the court doing some individual work, then I do think that's a sign of some optimism for closer to the beginning maybe of that next road trip in a couple of weeks as opposed to maybe the end of that trip which would be almost a month still from from right now so if this team can continue to stack a few wins you get curry back and you're at 500 or maybe slightly above then i think the the landscape of everything changes with the young players contributing a little bit more as role players and now Steph getting thrown back into that mix. And, and Wiggins, it sounds like, has is, is got a chance to be ready to roll finally on Monday when, when the Warriors play Atlanta. Yeah, you guys did a good job with that interview. I was driving back from Santa Clara listening. Um, the, my takeaway from that interview wasn't necessarily that little revelation, though that's probably the news item. Um, it was when Kerr talked about Jonathan Kuminga and when he basically said, hey, look, he's figured out that he needs to bring it on the defensive end of the floor that's his ticket to minutes. And, you know, I mean, the one thing that I think the Warriors have missed badly this year is they missed the physical dominance on the defensive end of the floor of GP2, who's not going to, we're not going to see him tonight, I guess, probably thankfully. Yeah, he still he's hasn't player. played at all. He hasn't played. Yeah, he has yet to play. But he gave them a swagger on the defensive end because he's just such a thoroughly dominant, you know, long arm defender and he's just dogged in his, in his, uh, you know, intensity. Um, Kuminga, the last couple games, J.D., is showing that kind of physical dominance. He can snuff you out like a candle. He's quick. He's got long arms. Mm-hmm. And if he, if all he thinks to himself is, lock this guy up, be an impact defender, play defense just like a madman every single night... Man, that could be he's de- that definitely puts him in the rotation, but that also gives them a weapon on that end of the floor that they've missed without GP2. No, really, and you know, we were on before the Charlotte game on Tuesday as the Warriors won game 2 of this uh, homestand and it, I look at just down the stretch in that game and I mentioned this to to coach Kerr it was as if, like he he had a different look in his eye, Kaminga. I mean, he had a look in his eye like I mean, when he snatches the rebound over Plumley, a, a seven footer. He won when that he, game when he rips the ball away from PJ Washington in the corner. When he goes up for a dunk off a pass from Jordan Poole, like there was a I'm willing this team to this win because I am one of the better players on the floor tonight with other guys out, and like, we're not we're not slipping up. It essentially, was was what Kaminga was saying, and he was doing it in the ways that Steve Kerr wants him to do it with with athleticism and defense and edge and just tenacity. I think the tenacity from the Warriors has been the the biggest bright spot of the three games to this point. They've they've just really played dogged, rugged basketball, which is something that they're going to have to do without Steph and without Wiggins just to, to beat anybody. Yeah. I mean, if I was Kerr, I'd just say to Wiggins, hey, I don't care if you take a shot all year. Just absolutely bring it with everything you got. Be ferocious on the defensive end, and you're, you know we're gonna we're gonna sit here, you know, literally giggling on the bench, watching him lock people up. Because how many guys in the NBA have his level of athleticism, his level of length and energy? He's got the ability if he wants to 
to just be a defensive menace. So I can't wait to watch it because, to me, he's so long-armed and so aggressive and so athletic that, man, I mean, he, he's a he's a bothersome, pe- forget pesty, He's a, he can, like, snuff you out. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of reminds me lengthwise of like a Scottie Pippen. No, he's yeah, he is big. He is that six seven, six eight kind of a guy, and he's got the quickness to to stay with the guards that are that are ball handlers, the littler guards. There, there's no doubt, and and can really bother him. So we'll we'll see if that can continue tonight for the Warriors. John Dickinson, Larry Kruger, eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. A little reflective here on the final day and the final show of two thousand and twenty two as uh, Damon and Rado streaming. At as always, live on YouTube. Head to youtube.com slash 957thegame to watch us live and see what's going on inside the studio. Like and subscribe for all 957 The Game content on YouTube. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. All right, John Dickinson and Larry Kruger. We're rolling on here on a Friday. Off to a good start. 888-957-9570. Phone calls in a minute here on 95.7 The Game. A couple of quickie baseball notes. Uh, Plugging through Susan Slusser of the Chronicle. Obviously covers the Giants, covered the A's for a long time. uh, With a couple of tweets here about... 
the Giants and Carlos Correa and just kind of looking through uh, the the most recent one and I'll just quote her tweet. Don't tease uh, the Giants fans like that, DJD. Uh, right now they're driving around going, what? Wait a second. Wait, quiet. Turn this up. Turn this up. Oh, no. Uh, Far- Here's what's coming Yeah, next. Here it is. Farhan Zaidi says they've had conversations with Boris, Scott Boris, about Correa since the deal fell through, but Correa is, quote, focused elsewhere, end quote. Mm. I would definitely, I mean, he still is is a player that they very much uh, would, you know, would make them quite a bit better. You really look at their offseason, their offseason, every one of their moves looks dramatically better if you add Carlos Correa to the mix. But I was thinking about it. Where would I feel comfortable? I mean, what would I feel comfortable if I were the Giants offering? I would say eight years, like 250 so like thirty one point two five million per for Correa. I think that deal, the last deal, the thirteen year deal, was just five years too long. I mean, I, I don't want Correa for year thirteen or twelve or eleven or ten or not. You know what I mean? I think eight years at thirty one point two million would be as as far as I would go, and I don't think that would get it done. So you know what? Good riddance. Yeah. So it looks like. Farhan Zaidi uh, is meeting with the beat writers here for the first time. I'm, I'm looking through a bunch of Alex Pavlovich, obviously Susan. So it looks like this is the first time there's been some kind of a, a conference call or ability for him to get asked about the debacle and, and the situation with, with Carlos Correa. Funny how that finally happens at 2.30 in the afternoon on a Friday where everybody's basically checked out heading into a holiday weekend. It's like we stepped in crap. We know it. We really look bad, so let's call a presser when the fewest number of press people could actually show up and the fewest number of people would notice. Yeah, and not even a full presser. I mean, it sounds like this is just a, you know, hey, Alex, Susan, uh, you know, all the all the beat, Baggerly, like you guys can all just, you know, hop on a line, five or six of you, and, and ask away, and then everybody will forget about it by January 3rd, which is the <laughs> next time everybody's really working. Right. Unfortunately, they're Four also going to forget now. about the Giants if they don't do something pretty soon as well. Yeah, one other quick note, just baseball-wise, before we get to some calls here at 888-957-9570, Evan Longoria, uh, he has reached an agreement with the, you want to take a guess? Diamondbacks? The Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh, that was, oh right. I did not see that. Per John Heyman. So I know they said that he was debating going back to Tampa, or I think he's got a home in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So good for Evan Longore. He's a good dude, and he's got some good baseball left. And, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's obviously in the twilight of his career, but if you're looking for a guy who can hit 6-7, you know, give you a little thump at the bottom of the lineup, you know, probably a pretty good little pickup for Arizona. All right, 888-957-9570. Just being reflective as far as 2022, talking about some of the, the great moments in the Bay this year. Also, 49ers on the board, Warriors on the board as well. Let's get to some calls here. Uh, Mitch is up first on 95.7 The Game. You're on with J.D. and Larry here on a on a Friday. What's going on, Mitch? Hey, John, Larry. Happy enough to meet you. Yeah, you too. I think the 49ers are the team to beat. Their offense, their front four is so good, and they're deep at all positions. Next, I guess next preseason, on three quarter, and I know it will be three quarterbacks, but it'll be a great uh, quarterback uh, competition here. And my best one I can remember is uh, we almost beat the Rams. It was so close. That was great. Almost almost three all against the Rams last year. That was to me one of the best moments. 
back and we recollect. Thanks for taking my call. Enjoy the games. Yeah, I mean the, the Niners winning that the Week 18 game in, in LA. I mean that that was just absolutely wild. And at the same time, over at Chase, that was Clay Thompson's return, which was getting ready to jump off. I remember, I was doing Warrior pregame at that point, and as I'm doing Warrior pregame, I'm watching it in the the conference room that we use as a studio for for pre and post game there at, at Chase Center on on the big screen, and the Niners and Jimmy G trying to lead them down to to force that baby into overtime with them fighting for their life. I mean, if they don't win that game, we would have been having a whole hell of a lot of different conversation about the 49ers in this offseason than the one we had. I'm surprised the caller went with the game he went with. He, he didn't go with that game. He went with the NFC Championship game that they almost won. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure if that was such a fond memory. There were an awful lot of people talking about Chikwaski Tart's interception drop mm. oh, and man. the Niner offensive line and uh, the last two possessions where the 49ers couldn't get a first down offensively. So that one was frustrating. Um and uh, to me that was a frustrating day. The rest of the the rest of the Ram games, you know, even the what the first one at Levi's, the Niners were not playing well and they had an 18 play drive, I believe, that was like 12 or 14 runs and they just physically manhandled the Rams. Um, and sent the Rams a loud message and then beat them in that final game in L.A. I mean, it was, you know, unfortunately, it's hard to beat a team three times. Yeah, and what, 17 nothing, right, in the in the game on January the 9th, and then the Niners are able to come back and, and get it into overtime and ultimately win it. And Ambry Thomas with the interception at, yeah. at the end in OT as uh, the Niners had kicked a field goal, but the Rams still had a shot to go down and win it, and the Niners end up getting a stop and, and, and winning that one. And uh, the, the rest is history, so to speak. Remember the, the, what, a, what a train wreck the end of the Dallas game was? Both teams just committing penalties left and right. Niners had essentially dominated the game, but Jimmy throws a bad interception, and all of a sudden the Cowboys have the ball and and they they tried to try to get it uh, get it uh, downed in time, and they yeah, ran out of time. I, I mean, it had the ball the placement. Remember, we debated the placement of the football. That's it. Down six. At, I mean, how, how the hell the Cowboys in that game ended up with the ball down six and a chance to hit? You know, they were this close. I mean, just you know, a, a tick of the clock away from having one shot from like the twenty-five to be able to try and win the game. I mean, that was... I mean, The, the Niners were, it was were just sweet. high drama, man. That was... They were... <laughs> I thought that Dallas game was sweet because if you really hate Dallas, they really lost that game twice. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They lost it up front, then they lost it again. I'll, I'll tell you, the Ram thing was so interesting last year. The Niners came out in that first game and they just made it a referendum on toughness and showed that they were the tougher, more physical team. Then that second game in L.A., I thought the Rams came out... And and were trying to show that they were as tough as the 49ers. And they were trying to run Sony Michelle and and in their running game. And they threw seven passes in that second game, I believe, to Cooper Cup, and they completed all seven passes. The Niners never stopped it. Um and then I'm sitting there going, Okay, well, what are the Rams gonna do in the playoffs? And then sure enough, you know, when the money on the table Give uh, Sean McVay credit. He went to his money man. He went to Cooper Cup on that final drive, and Stafford to Cup was was uh, you know those guys were a revelation a year ago. Yeah, they really were. And uh, just a little bit here, it'll take you back to Week 18 a little bit here.
And Jawan Jennings helping to tie that game up. Remember when Joe Buck did games on Fox? That was something different <laughs> from the beginning of the year to the to the end of the year. Was there anybody who's who upped their value more? in the second half of the season than Jawan Jennings. I mean, yeah. Jawan Jennings was like borderline on the roster. By the end of the year, he made big catches in Green Bay, big catches in Dallas. Jawan Jennings is like, you know, kind of established himself as a big play, big moment, got to have it on like a third and 10. Go to Jawan. Yeah, and then the Niners able to close it out here. Watch Stafford go deep Yeah, he was inbounds, and yeah, Ambry Thomas made some plays down the stretch after looking like he was just going to be incapable of, of really doing anything to help him for a good chunk of last season. Really, the beginning of the year, Ambry Thomas couldn't get on the field. And it was, and then by the end of the year, it was Diamador Lenore who couldn't get on the field, and Ambry Thomas had emerged as maybe the 49ers' best cover guy at the end of last year. And then this year, it's kind of reversed itself. Now Lenore is is a starter. Right. Thomas is kind of, you know, I don't want to say forgotten because they need him, but he's not taken that. You know, he hasn't taken that opportunity and run with it this year. No, and they've needed the folks to step in for for Emmanuel Mosley, who's who's been out and out for the season, and Ward's been you know, in and out dealing with stuff. Well, you know, always worth monitoring. And the nausea that's always a little weird. I know they said he got cleared from the the concussion, but you know something that I think continue to keep an eye on, making sure he's healthy, as you mentioned right off the off the top here. Eight at eight nine five seven ninety five seventy. JD and Larry here on a Friday at ninety five seven. The game. Let's go to Alfred in Fresno next year on the phones. What's going on, Alfred? Hey, how you guys doing? Thank you for taking my call. Hey, you yeah, got it. Um, yeah, I just, just want to uh, touch real quick with the whole uh, Jimmy G and Purdy thing. Um, now, I'm one of those guys that, what do, you, what do you say to somebody like me who who's real careful to not fall into what happened with Jimmy? If you guys, I mean, everybody remembers in the beginning, everybody had their pom-poms up for Jimmy. I was, I was one of them. And next thing you know, I'm getting my heart broke. I'm trying to get rid of him like everybody else, well, <laughs> mostly everybody else. So what do we do with Brock? I mean, I don't want to fall into the same thing. I don't want to get my heart broke again. Talk yeah. me off. Tell me, hey, this is why it's different or what, because this is what happened with Jimmy. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. It's a good question. I think Brock is a significantly better prospect than Jimmy, and I think it goes all the way back to college. I mean, Jimmy played for Northern Illinois, which was an FCS school. He was roughly 500. Um, he had an incredible senior year there where I think he threw like 53 touchdowns. And But, I mean, he was, you know, he was a 500 quarterback in the FCS level. Brock Purdy was a four-year starter uh, and led Iowa State to four straight bowl games and won 65% of his collegiate starts. So, um, you know, I, I think Brock had a better college career, and it's, it's that kind of shocking. But that's how punitive the NFL is if you don't fit their size-speed box. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, Brock was very successful. Um, they say he could have gone in the first round of the draft if he'd come out after his sophomore year. But... Because he didn't fit that box, JD, you know, didn't have the big arm and and you know wasn't six two, wasn't even six one, was south of six one. They looked at him and just said, ah, no, can't do it. And luckily for the 49ers, uh, they had a road scout who had some conviction on him and 
Um, you know, they 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 obviously honed in on him prior to the draft process, and and they took him. Obviously, if they knew he was going to be this good, they would have taken him well before the last pick in the draft. So sure. you know what I mean? They can't really say that we knew, we knew. Well, you knew more than everybody else. But you still took him last in the draft. Yeah, and and one th- and I didn't know anything uh, about him really. But the one thing that you got to give the Niners credit is when you do hold that last pick. If I mean to me, you know, typically that is of course a throwaway pick and Mister Irrelevant and all of that. But if if you've got somebody that you think is a quarterback that's got a shot. You might as well take him before he gets into the free for all of being able to sign elsewhere. I think you know a lot of teams would have probably loved to have had the opportunity to pick him up. I mean, franchises always do. Had he been among the undrafted that could kind of pick where he wanted to go and 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 compete throughout training camp. So I think you know smart for the Niners to get in front of that in having the opportunity to get in front of it by owning that pick. And then he, as far as Garoppolo goes, he started fast, and then as he spent more time in this in this Shanahan system, it was almost like he was getting bogged down by the complexity sure. of it. And he, just, the one thing with Garoppolo that was pretty clear the last few years is that he just, when he's been healthy, so he's been hurt a lot, but when he's been healthy, he can't eradicate the huge turnover or the big negative play, the fumble, the interception. This year, J.D., he did exactly that. Mm-hmm. He took that whole aspect of his game and just said, ah, you know what, I'm throwing the ball into the turf and I'm going to the next play. And subsequently, he had his best year. And I think he's probably um, going to be a pretty good quarterback going forward for a different team. Well, why do you think there's been uh, such a, you know, and there were a few people on the Xfinity Mobile text line even already since we've started the show in the last 45 minutes. Like, hey, you know, Trey Lance didn't have Christian McCaffrey and Trey Lance hasn't had, you know, the, the, the weapons or wasn't running the offense that the 49ers are running with uh, Brock Purdy here. And, you know, in def- as a defense to, hey, maybe he should get a shot or or he should still get the first opportunity. Like, I, I don't see how anybody at this point could think that you know, almost regardless of what happens now, hey, Trey Lance was QB1 at the beginning of the year, so Trey Lance now reverts back to being QB1 or at least gets his shot at an automatic competition in training camp next year. That that seems a little far-fetched based on what we've seen to this point. Well, I mean, I would say the same thing, uh, you know, I, I say to my kids when they were little that my parents said to me when I was little, life ain't fair, you know, life ain't fair. Yeah, you're right. Should should they get, uh, you know, we're, we're evaluating Brock Purdy on a small number of games. We're evaluating uh, Trey Lance on a small number of games. You don't get forever in the NFL to establish yourself. Personally, though, I don't think it's an either or. I think these guys are both going to be good NFL quarterbacks. I just think Purdy's ready to play right now because of his unbelievable four-year experience at Iowa State. And Trey has got unbelievable traits as far as he's smart, he's athletic, um, he, football's important to him. He's going to get there. I really believe that. But he's not there now. No. And it's going to take some time before he gets there. So as far as next year... Uh, I agree with what you said to Alan yesterday, uh, and I heard you basically saying, if Brock wins a couple, if he, you know, let's say they win the final two games, and then he wins a couple playoff games, and they wind up in Philly in the NFC Championship game, it's, it's you know, it's done. done. It's yeah, a done deal. Done. I mean, that's your guy. I mean, I and I'm not saying give away Trey Lance, but... Um, 
You, maybe you bring Trey Lance back, but then you also got to remember if Brock establishes himself, everybody's going to see it. The fans, Trey's agent, who knows? Trey's agent could come back to you and say, "Hey, I'd like to be elsewhere." So I think if you're John Lynch, what you do here is you just have you keep the dialogue going. You, you keep developing Trey. You keep developing Brock. They're both great guys. They're both great prospects, and you have an open dialogue with Trey's representative and just say, "Hey, please do me this solid." Don't publicly request a deal killing his value before come to me sure. and we'll tell look, me we'll look around and yeah you tell me what you want we'll make we'll try to make it happen for you but let's not kill our ability to recoup something by you publicly demanding a trade and putting us at a in a bad you know uh, leverage position all right quick extension of that before we get back to the phone calls here five one zero had a question Xfinity Mobile text line if Jimmy is available as a backup. Do you say yes to Jimmy over Trey at that point? Jimmy's going to have opportunities to start, though. You mean next year? Next year. I thought he was talking about this year. Well, um, this year it's a no-brainer. We talked about that on Tuesday. If Jimmy can be your backup this year. Somebody's got to be your backup. I will say this. I talked to I talked to Jacob Eason yesterday, who was also down in the Niner locker room. Jacob Eason is an enormous talent. 6'6", six, six, Flacco-like gun. Tremendous five-star prospect coming out of high school. Went to multiple colleges. Started at Georgia. Finished at UW. This guy's got absolutely the ridiculous skills as far as throwing the football. Um, so he's planning on being in camp next summer. I just talked to him about it yesterday. So you got him. You got you got Brock. You got Trey. Jimmy, I think, is probably, I mean, just supply and demand. I mean, the same reason I would be open-minded to trading Trey is not because I don't like Trey or think Trey's not a good quarterback. It's just supply and demand. I think someone's going to come knocking on your door offering you something good for Trey. And Jimmy, because of that same thing, you know, supply and demand, he's going to get a gig. He's going to probably have his choice of gigs. I bet you the Raiders are going to want him. They got a New England head coach, yep. a New England GM. Jets. I bet you the Jets are going to want him with Robert Sala. Washington, I would say. Washington. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Jimmy may have his pick. No, no doubt. And even Miami, I think. But you, know, you look at Tua and some of the, the injury concerns there with the concussions, and he's just, you know, their their drop in the standings has been, you know, direct correlation of his drop in, in play, really going back to the Niner game where he was he was awful in that game, missing wide open throws. I mean, the, the Dolphins could have had a little something for the Niners on that day if Tua had just been accurate in the first half of that game. That, that could have wound up being a, a much closer game, but he wasn't. Uh, Mike in San Francisco, 888-957-9570. Mike, you're on with J.D. and Larry Kruger here on a Friday. What's up, Mike? Yeah, so, fellas, before I get to my highlight of uh, Curry in Game 4, uh, the great thing about this defense is so dominant elite that uh, Purdy could just really game manage, and he doesn't really make any mistakes. I think that defense is just so suffocating, and even Philly, as good as they are, I think they can do enough to maintain Hurts with that run-pass option that they love to run. And I, I just think they're the, they're the team to beat, and really, outside of KC and Buffalo, Maybe the Bengals, I just don't see any way they can knock off the Niners, barring they don't make their own mistakes. They should be playing in the Super Bowl versus uh, one of those three teams. I said Buffalo and the Niners before the season, so I'm going to stick to that. And outside of Buffalo, I don't think anybody can really beat the Niners. Um, but get to my highlight to me, definitely I think game four, Curry. I just think of any any in the sports, that's going to go down as one of the great all-time performances because all those critics and and lame uh, losers in the in the in the media who said Curry couldn't do it by himself. He's not clutch. He finally shut all that game because guys, guys remember that situation. Game four, yep. they were down that fourth quarter. They lose that game. They go down three one. They're not beating the Celtics three one, and that's one of the all time great performances uh, to win it like he did to to dominate that game 
the silence in Boston, which is one of the hostile places to play, and, and to perform like he did, really, that was his caption of being the all-time great, silencing all the, the morons who didn't think he could perform in a big <laughs> situation with the championship in the line. So I think that's going to go down as one of the all-time great performances in sports with the championship performance in the line. What are your thoughts on that? Thanks for the thought. Yeah, thanks for the call. Really appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's revisit. Curry up the floor. Warriors have numbers if they hurry. Ball to Draymond. Draymond looks for a wing. Nobody moving. Curry back cuts on White. Takes the jumper. Got it! Curry for three! Warriors have doubled their advantage. A 10 nothing run of the Celtics. One time with a minute 42 to go. So there you go. 10 nothing run from down four to up six in the final three minutes of a pivotal NBA Finals game. I, w- I have that one on the DVR saved. You know what I mean? And it, it keeps saying, hey, do you want to keep saving? Yes. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> Stop asking me, DVR. I want to keep this Warriors-Celtics game from, from way back when. But you know what I really loved about that one? And I sometimes will go back and watch. It's not the game. It's the arrogance with which Greeny and Will Bond and all these I-95 and ESPN guys were just basically throwing... You know they were burying Golden State like this was this was this was going to be a big green party in their mind, and then it wasn't. It was a beautiful thing just to hear them in the to hear their arrogance in the in the pregame before Game Four is it's that that gets me fired. Yeah, it was it was incredible. And the Golden State Warriors have recaptured home court in the NBA Finals with a stirring 107-97 win here at TD Garden. 43 points for Stephen Curry. And the Golden State Warriors go back to Chase Center for Game 5 after closing this one out on a 21-11 run. And a stunned Boston crowd. They were here to celebrate 3-1. But now have to wonder what's going to happen when they come back for Game 6. And that was night night in game six <laughs> we game got six. a little night night in the in the finals too just the uh, people started doing that kids kids everywhere started copying yeah. night night um by the way he said brock purdy was a game manager brock purdy may look like a game manager brock purdy has been taking shots down yeah. the field i talked to george kittle yesterday about this kittle has had he's unlocked kittle yes, he as a receiver kittle you could argue is the 49ers best weapon he has been locked up and not being used the way Kelsey's been utilized. And the last three games, he has been. No, he has been, and, and the Niners have benefited from it. And I know when you look at some of the numbers and, and the Washington game, the Niners had to kick some field goals. The red zone issues, I think, statistically haven't totally been solved. But the Niners have been scoring outside of the red zone more with explosive plays, which can help your red zone issues. If you're punching it in from from you know the other 25, like they've been able to do, or punching it in from the 40 because you're able to hit some passes before you get into the red zone, then you don't necessarily have to be as good in the red zone. Well, I mean, when you're looking at Brock Purdy, he's a chain mover, he's accurate, but it's really his off-schedule stuff. It's his ability to move, extend plays. His, he's a late-in-the-down thrower because he's got improv skills to buy himself time. And when he does that you're talking about big plays down the field and heck i mean you got to go back way back since a 49er quarterback was making plays down the field in the passing game i'm talking like maybe even jeff garcia right or even maybe pre-garcia cap didn't do it for the most part consistently smith didn't do it i mean clearly none of their guys recently have done it yeah jeff garcia would take some shots but i mean it was he he didn't always 
have the you know the arm strength to get the job done there. I mean, you they might haven't had going back to Steve thrower. Young. We're going yes. back to Steve yes. Young. <laughs> Literally, you got to go back to Steve Young. The last time the 49ers had a quarterback who could make consistent plays with his arm down the field. All right, Gabe, sophomore, uh, stay on the line. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. We got one hour down. We got three hours to come. It's John Dickinson and Larry Kruger. We're presented by Fremont Bank. Full service banking, no compromises. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for twenty-five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at twenty-four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty-five dollars per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.